When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast on a Thursday. This is the Huddle Reloaded. Teddy and Toby coming up here in moments to get you ready for Oklahoma and Texas Tech. This edition of the Huddle is brought to you by the U.S. Army. The Army is a team of a million individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world and to win. Ask yourself, what's your warrior? And go to Army.com to find out. By the way, just looking ahead to the Kansas game, the U.S. Army is coming out to that game, so they'll have a lot of cool stuff during the party at the Palace for that. All right, before we get to Toby and Ted and before we preview Tech and look back on TCU, I had a chance to catch up with two Sooners who are having breakout seasons. Right tackle Adrian Ely on getting the offensive line together and also how he feels about this team going forward. Adrian Ely joins us, man. Congratulations on a great win on Saturday. Can you take us through how challenging it has been to create chemistry with so little time leading up to the season on the field for you guys? Has it been tough? Uh... I wouldn't say it really been tough. I mean, it's just a, you know, chemistry that we just had to build on. It's not, I wouldn't say it's tough because we always, like, even though everything that's been going on, we, we've been together. So it's just like just trying to build it and, you know, keep everybody together with it. But I don't say it would be tough. What What's made this, and I, and I know that obviously it's a process throughout the season, but what's made this offensive line such a good pass-blocking offensive line here early, Adrian? Uh, it's a lot of things. It's it's, it's players. Uh, you know, coaching have to do a big part of it. Like you know, Coach B is one of the best coaches I ever been around. You know, he's by far the best coach I ever had. So he drilled things in us to you know focus on. You know, you know, for example, pass blocking, and we try to take whatever he teaches us and bring it onto the field. 
Where do you want to see this team continue to improve in the run blocking side of things? Because I didn't realize you guys had ran the ball 40 times on Saturday. You just kept grinding away. Where have you seen improvements, and where do you want to continue to see improvements in this run game? Uh, like you say, you know, old linemen, that's one thing we love to do. We love to block for, you know, the run. So, you know, Saturday was real fun. You know, I didn't realize, like I used to say, how much we ran the ball. So, you know, that's real fun. So I feel like we got to, you know, keep on continuing to doing that, keep, continue to improve up front to be able to run the ball, you know, effectively how we did. So just keeping that up. Hey, take me through that room. We, we get a chance to talk to Creed about it a lot. So I, I kind of wanted to get your perspective. Bill Beanbow coaches and teachers, you got to know everyone's responsibility. So how refreshing is that? Because, Adrian, it's not just your responsibility. You understand everyone's responsibility, don't you? Yeah, you got. You have to know everybody's responsibility because what's ever based on one person's responsibility, you probably have to pick up that responsibility. So you got to know what everyone on the O-line is doing just to be able to, you know, run the scheme correctly and pick up the blocking. Hey, for you personally, um, I've really been impressed, man. You battled through so many injuries last year, kept getting out on the field. Where have you felt your biggest improvement this year on the field, Adrian? Uh, probably my, my pass blocking, you know, being able to stay more square, you know, with quicker uh, defenders. You know, it's a whole lot that I could continue getting better with. You know, I'm just taking it step by step, you know, continue listening to what Coach B had to preach to me and, you know, just trying to apply everything that he gives me to the field. You know, I mentioned Creed Humphrey, but a senior captain, or excuse me, a, a retro junior captain. What have you seen from him in his increased leadership role that he's taken on this year? What's kind of stood out with any adjustments or anything you've seen different from Creed? Oh, man, he, he's great. He's been way more vocal than what he was last year. You know, and we need that. We need somebody that's with that, that leadership, that vocal, you know, what he brings to the table. You know, I can see that he really stepped up way more than what he was a captain last year. You know, because he had last year, he had get guys like Jalen Hurts, you know, coming up, being able to speak for him and things like that. So now I see that he took over that role of being the man to speak about it. When you see right tackle being such a, an important position, everyone always talks about the left side and understandably so with a right-handed quarterback. But you see guys like Lane Johnson in mm -hmm. Philly, the investment the Raiders made in Trent Brown. What is it about that right side that you like so much and, and makes you so comfortable over there? Uh, I don't know what it is, honestly. I think it just... You know, the way I could just sit on that side, you know, be able to stay square. You know, I just like the movement on that side for some reason. Now, I know that there's some comfort that you have with Marquise Hayes and Tyrese Robinson on the inside. But take me through what you saw from Chris Murray to see the UCLA transfer get an opportunity to get on the field this weekend. Oh, man, I knew he was going to get on the field and play. I knew he, I knew he he's a baller. He, the mentality that he brings, man, he it's like he's been at Oklahoma for years already. He's a guy that loves to play football. And he's just so passionate. So uh, it was real fun getting on there with him. And I'll let you go on this. To see these running backs have success, you guys are the key. But you've been here with TJ Pletcher every step of the way. How nice is it to see him have success now in back-to-back -back weeks? Man, it's great. It's great, man. TJ is one of my close friends. And so, you know, it, it almost makes me want to cry to see how good he's doing. You know, the success that he's bringing. You know, he waited a long time, patient. And, you know, God's blessing him in ways that he couldn't imagine. And fun conversation with Jordan Kelly, the former Union Redskin, now third year Sooner, redshirt sophomore, having a breakout season on the interior of the Sooner defensive line. All right, guys, I'm here with Jordan Kelly having a breakout season for the Oklahoma Sooners. First and foremost, man, can you take us through your progression, you know, battling through an injury last year, fighting, scratching, clawing for an opportunity? Obviously, you're never satisfied, but yeah. how satisfying has this year been for you so far? 
Um, yeah, I battled, I battled, I battled a lot last year. Uh, you know, last year I was supposed to get into things, and then going through that, uh, it was just it was just hard keeping my head up and, and keep grinding. But you know, having my having my grandparents with me, having having a good culture here, Chris, and and just having all the people around me, it was it was easy to just keep going and keep grinding. And then, you know, this year I'm finally getting my chance, and it's just uh, not satisfied, never satisfied, like you said. But you know, yesterday I found I finally got to. Finally got my feet wet, you know what I'm saying? I made a, <laughs> I made a TFL and it felt good, but but after watching film and talking to all the coaches, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I missed out there and I uh, just got to keep working hard. Yeah, and there's that fire. You know, it, it, to me, I was telling you, I'm a Tulsa guy. I, yes, I was sir. in Tulsa for 20 years, so I understand what your alma mater, Union High School, is all about. As you look back, how well did that prepare you for this next level, Jordan? Uh, it prepared me a lot. You know, having Coach Brown and Coach Fred, I still remember those guys. I mean, I just talked to Coach Brown the other day, you know, those guys, they never, they never gave up on me. You know, uh, I was battling a lot in high school, and it, it, it could be easy just turn the cheek and shut it off. But you know, they they kept at it, they kept me going, and I feel like it helped me a lot. Yeah, man, I uh, lo- love seeing the the union aspect on the scene with Pat playing as well as he yes, is sir. too. Let's talk about your room. You know, Calvin Thibodeau. You were talking about coaches and Coach Fred, Kirk Frederick, and Coach Brown at Union. Now here at this next level, what has Calvin Thibodeau meant to you in your development? Uh. You know, Coach Tibbs, uh, I'll say we haven't – I feel like last year it took away from the from the connection that we could have had coming to my third year, you know, but mm-hmm. just not – because not being in the room, just being hurt, you know right. what I mean? But, yeah. But now I feel like but he, he, he's – he always tells me, he's like, I, I believe in you, you know, and, uh, and I just feel like it's just some extra motivation to keep me going. Even, even when I thought things were going bad, I feel like Coach Tibbs still just – he just fought in there for me, and I, that's something I'll take a long way. Dude, that's awesome because it's it's amazing what just someone saying I believe in you can do for you. Exactly. So with that in mind, can you take me through that that confidence level when you look in that room, Jordan, and mm-hmm. you see obviously how you feel about yourself, but newcomers like like Ellison and like Winfrey and what yeah. they've done, and then leaders another Tulsa area guy like Leron Stokes. That's really that defensive line as a whole, and obviously we we focus a bit on the interior. It's really become a strength on this team. What's that room? What's the competition in there like? Man, uh, competition-wise, it's gone right now. You know, everybody's fighting for clawing for just plays to get on the field. You know, we're hungry. Uh, Laron, Josh, Corey, Perion, we're all we're all just trying to get on the field, get our plays in there, and get our production up. But uh, yeah, I feel like everybody in there just really motivating everybody else to to get better you know what i'm saying to uh to get to where we need to be and i feel like that's that's good all right so i'll let you go on this a final thought we're looking ahead to texas tech this weekend it's always a challenge whenever we go down to lubbock but can you take us through the confidence this defense as a whole appears to be playing with right now because i think it was what they went like six straight possessions missed field yeah. goal and a punt against tcu what's the confidence level like right now with this defense uh Confidence, you know, we, we we stopped these dudes. We stopped TCU to 70 rushing yards, and and I, I just feel the energy in the room, like, just not satisfied at, at all. Like, uh, we, we held them to, like I said, 70 rushing yards, and, and we feel like we could have done way more. And I feel like even me, myself, I could have done way more. I could have I ran to the ball even harder. But uh, all the guys, I, I know we're not satisfied at all, and, and, and we're coming for Tech. I like for sure. it. Hey, congrats on the win, Jordan. Love seeing you break out, man. Good luck this weekend. Have fun in preparation. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks to Adrian Ely and Jordan Kelly for joining us on the Sooner Sports Podcast. 
presented by the U.S. Army on this Thursday. Let's roll into the Huddle Reload. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Huddle. It is a Tuesday night. And we are not at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. We are in studio tonight. That's because Mother Nature had other plans for us, I'm afraid. We miss you folks. We're used to spending Tuesday nights with all of our Sooner family over at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue, not far from here. But if you do not live in the state of Oklahoma, you might not know that a major weather event has moved through this state in the last 48 hours or so. There is ice and tree limbs everywhere it's typical october right <laughs> typical october it's unbelievable what's going on outside so we are in studio tonight we will be back at rudy's in a week you doing okay you staying out I'm of the fantastic. ice and everything I'm, I'm out of the ice i'm i'm safe and sound i'm good no complaints here for me i'm gonna just spend the night here we haven't had electricity <laughs> for about 30 hours at my house so I may just curl up when the shows are over tonight. We got two straight hours of Sooner football to talk about in the next hour. Lincoln Riley will be alongside. We'll ask him about the 33-14 win over TCU and about the upcoming showdown with his alma mater, Texas Tech, coming up at 7 p.m. Saturday night at Jones AT&T Stadium out on the high plains of West Texas in Lubbock. But first off, Teddy, let's look back at the game that was, and we'll start by taking a look at the highlights from down in Fort Worth on Saturday. Man, once again, a good start for OU. They are making a habit out of first quarter success. Well, it's good to see Seth McGowan back, and there you see it right out of the gate, hit him out of the backfield on a little wheel route, a ton of success, and TJ Pledger <laughs> just really started to hit his stride, and you see him physical right there. Small in stature, but that dude runs hard. Marcus Stripling with the sack. Sooners out in front thanks to the pledger. Touchdown 7 nothing, and get the ball back. And here's the first of, well, I guess the second of many deep shots on the day for Rattler. No, I like it. A little play action, half roll there, and then take a shot deep down the field. And, uh, you know, we talked about it a lot during the game. That's going to change the way a defensive coordinator calls plays against you. 10-0 Sooners after Gabe Burkich bounces back from that miss against Texas. Hits his first field goal try of the day. And then Marvin Mims from 50 yards out. Nice play there. A little crossing route and just a beautiful touch pass from Spencer Rattler. Sometimes those wide open receivers are the hardest one to hit, but he hits him right in stride. First touchdown of the day for TCU makes it 17-7. They try some trickery, but Jordan Kelly says no. Way too much penetration. With the way our defensive line plays, Anything like that, those misdirection reverses that take forever to come back across the formation, no chance. Oh, just before halftime, Gabe Burkich from 54 hits the crossbar. TCU would oblige by missing a field goal of their own before halftime. Third quarter now, the Sooner defense starts strong again. Boy, and that was familiar all day, wasn't it? Max Duggan running for his life back there with our pass rush getting after him. Burkich chip shot makes it 20-7. to Highlights brought to you by Noble McIntyre, McIntyre Law, the law firm you should turn to for all of your personal injury needs. And Sooners get out for another lengthy run. That's good to see. And now here comes another deep ball. This time looking for Mims again, 61 yards. Boy, and I don't know how that one fit in there, but it did look like the same play, except he takes this deep route to the corner instead of the post. And uh, challenging throw there and makes the play with the defender all over him. Marvelous Marvin, not done yet. He's got a special punt return here for you. That puts the Sooners in scoring position again. And at this point, it's looking golden. Late third quarter. Nice to see that punt return a weapon again, isn't it? 
early fourth field goal for Burkich probably puts this one out of reach 30 to 7 the defense not done there they are all day long that was the most consistent pass rush we've seen from our defensive line all year TCU's got some trouble on the offensive line we knew that coming in and our guys took advantage of it big pro wells with the fourth quarter touchdown for the frogs makes it 30 to 14 Sooners tried to take a knee, but Gary Patterson called a couple of timeouts, so they said, all right, we'll kick a field goal, and those are your final points right there. 33-14, a fourth quarter, as you heard off the top, lacking in drama. First time we've been able to say that since the season opener. And what jumps out at you here on the stats, Ted? Well, a couple of things. I thought it was clean. You see that zero turnovers. That's huge. You know, we've, we've lost a turnover battle in so many games recently that whenever it's just square, we usually dominate the game. Uh, another good effort defensively, holding an opponent under 100 yards rushing. Uh, that's been pretty consistent so far. Penalties, I thought, were down quite a bit. Uh, in recent games, they've cost us a lot of points and a lot of opportunities. So, all in all, just a really – Good, clean football game from Oklahoma. Time of possession continues to be lopsided in OU's favor this year. Need to kind of do a deep dive on that and see if it means anything or not. But they win that again on Saturday by a significant amount. All right, so big picture, 30,000 feet picture from this game. We're going to look at some players and stuff more in depth in a bit. But, I mean, solid, right? You come yeah. out, there's really not much you can complain about. They didn't get a takeaway defensively. Would have liked to seen one or two of those. But other than that... Offense, defense, special teams, pretty good. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, whenever you, you honestly take a, a good look at it, you know, defensively all over the quarterback all day, that helped your secondary out quite a bit. Held them under 100 yards rushing. Uh, in this day and age, that's pretty good. Offensively, we ran the ball really well. We did have some negative yardage plays on some of the zone read stuff, some of the keepers, but all in all, I thought we ran the ball Probably about as good as we have all year. I think T.J. Pledger is really starting to hit his stride. And one of the things that I really liked is we tested him deep quite a bit. And I think that opens up the running game. When those defensive coordinators, you know, whether you're successful or not, if you're taking shots downfield, they want to put two safeties back there and give themselves more of a chance to not give up those chunks. That opens up things in, in the running game. Special teams, for the most part, really sound. Again, you did miss that long field goal. Had a penalty right before that, you probably would have hit it uh, were it not for that, that uh, offside or a false start that we got. But all in all, just a really clean football game all the way around. I think right now that's what you're looking for. You know, we've had some, some games where we've kind of been scrambling. We've kind of fallen apart late, had some special teams problems. To see them hold it together for four good full quarters was pretty good. Who's your player of the game? I'm going to go with Spencer Rattler. Typically, I try to avoid the quarterback, but I thought he played really good. He was accurate with the football. The numbers don't just blow you away, but some of these deep balls were just beautifully thrown. I thought he had a good decision-making day. Again, some of the running stuff, the zone read stuff wasn't great, but he created some good opportunities for them. Didn't turn the football over. I thought that was key. He just took what the defense gave them. I know that we hear that a lot. But we've seen some of his turnovers come whenever he's trying to force big plays down the field. So all in all, I thought Spencer Rattler just had a really, really solid day. And really, while it wasn't just blow you away numbers, I think he led the effort offensively. He's become pretty elusive in that pocket, too, when he feels pressure, good at stepping away, spinning away there. You mentioned no turnovers. Really didn't put it in danger all no. day. No, he had guys wide open to throw to. And again, some of those throws aren't as easy as they look. You know, whenever you've got a guy streaking there, you've got to hit him perfectly in stride. 
if you want to get the touchdown. There he makes a guy miss and turns it into a first down. What looks like a sure sack for TCU. He just sidesteps it easily. So, yeah, I think he's getting more comfortable in the pocket. Like, you contrast the way Rattler looks and the way Max Duggan looked in the pocket. Uh, Spencer Rattler's always got eyes downfield. He trusts his offensive line. He may step up or step to the side to avoid a guy, but he's always got his eyes downfield. There's no panic back there right now, which is a really good thing for him, especially as inexperienced, inexperienced as he is compared to some of the other quarterbacks that uh, we've had here and, and that we've faced this year. This little half pocket roll right and left is becoming something he yeah. looks comfortable he's in going comfortable both out ways. There, yeah. yeah, it looks that way. I'm going to stay on the offense for my player of the game, and I'm going to go with Marvin Mims. You know, you were thinking, you were wondering going into this game, is there going to be a receiver step up and become the go-to guy like D.D. Westbrook did back in uh, 2016 when the Sooners had a similar start to their season? Uh, I don't know that Mims had as big of a game as D.D. had on that day, but he had a big one. And four catches, Mims 132 yards, two long touchdowns, the 50-yarder you'll see here, 61-yarder coming up in a bit. He climbed the ladder for that catch earlier in the game. This kid has shown everything. He's got speed to get behind a defense. He's able to make the tough catch in traffic. He can break a tackle. He's good in the punt return game. And he's a freshman, Teddy. Yeah, it's amazing that he comes in and is that ready to play. And he looks like one of those guys. You know, if you're a quarterback and you're throwing the deep ball, it's a lot easier to throw it to a guy that you don't ever feel like you can overthrow. Right. You just throw it as far as you can <laughs> and let him try and run and catch up to it. And Mims seems like he's going to be one of those guys. And, hey, man, this is just the nature of things. The more production you have and the better you, you do whenever you get the ball in your hands, coach is going to find a way to get it to you more often. So Marvin Mims has a big day in his numbers. Here's how they compare as a freshman through five games. Six touchdowns is a new OU record. Got 19 catches, 328 yards, two more TDs than C.D. Lamb and Ryan Never Broyles. Heard of those guys. Had their freshman seasons. I mean, you kind of wonder who's next. Are they passing the baton at the wide receiver position from Mark Clayton to Ryan Broyles, Sterling Shepard, D.D. Westbrook, Hollywood Brown, C.D. Lamb. Maybe it's Marvin Mims. I'll tell you, Theo Weiss is doing some impressive things, too. Trajan Bridges may be coming back soon. Charleston Rambo, I'm not really good. But this guy so far has been the most impressive of the wideouts to me. You cannot argue with production, and there it is right there, six touchdowns, which leads the receivers by quite a stretch right now. So, no, you can't argue with it. And let's, let's face it, you know, he's really the only wide receiver that we have right now that has shown himself to be a consistent home run threat. You know, I, I, Theo Weiss has done some really good things, but – Hasn't had that big home run threat over the top. Rambo, not as much. He's been consistent with that, and I imagine that's only going to grow. All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, take a closer look at what OU did on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball Saturday in that 33-14 win over TCU. You're watching The Huddle, brought to you by Bud Light. Drive of the game, brought to you by Pike Pass, the fastest, safest, most efficient way to travel Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas. Hey, Sooners, don't get past get Pike Pass. TCU won the coin flip. They deferred, which meant Oklahoma got the ball first. I'm not sure that's a good idea 
to give OU the ball. They've outscored their opponents 68 to three in the first quarter this year. Yeah, I, they've they've always come off well, not always, but they come out to these hot starts. And you saw that explosive run by Pledger on the first play of the game, and then they hit that big uh, wheel route there to. Seth McGowan, it was good to see him back in there. And looks like this is a cold run play. As you see Creed Humphrey sifting up to the next level there, uh, giving them a nice little down and distance going into the end zone. Play action. Rattler's going to keep it again himself this time. Tries to bounce it outside. Can't get the first down. That'll set up the first third down of the day on this opening drive for Oklahoma. And it works out. DJ Pledger has room. Crashes over a frog into the end zone. And that's your opening drive of the game as the Sooners get six, thanks to T.J. Pledger. Uh, we've talked about the OU offense with Spencer Rattler and Marvin Mims. Let's continue to take a deeper dive into them. What about the running game? Second straight week, second straight game, T.J. Pledger goes over 100 yards rushing. No, he's. I think he's really starting to hit his stride. I've said that a couple of times now, but believe it's true. He hasn't had any long stretches of – uh, a lot of game activity, and he's finally starting to get that, getting into a rhythm, starting to, you know, feel out the the rhythm and the flow to some of these, you know, the live running plays. It never looks the same as it does in practice. Uh, there's always a different speed and tempo to it. It looks like he's really getting it down, and, you know, look at that. Just takes on a full-speed defensive back coming in there for a physical tackle and just knocks him off of his feet into the air. So look at that patience there. Makes the cut to the outside. little stiff arm to get about eight or nine extra yards there. He's starting to put it all together. Now, I love the little jump cuts that you're seeing from him. That was a no gain. Turns it into four or five. So I just I, I love it all right now from Pledger. I think he's doing a really good job. A, a guy that, you know, at one point was kind of left for, you know, for nothing on this roster as a guy that's never going to get to play here. And after a transfer, an opt-out, well, here you are. You're Oklahoma's starting running back, and over the last couple of games, gone over 100 yards and just kind of taken that role and ran with it. 44 carries the last two games, 22 each, and he averaged five and a half yards per carry against TCU. Good to see Seth McGowan back out there as well. No, it Saturday. is, and you see that he's just got a little bit different gear to him here on this wheel route, so I don't think it's any – any any doubt why they went to him here because he's got that extra gear that speed and you know he's it's a little bit of a one-two punch a little kind of a change up to what Pledger uh, brings Pledger's got a little bit more pace to him as a running back he'll he'll kind of wait it out to make a cut and McGowan he'll grab that thing and go he hits the hole at 100 miles an hour and sometimes it works out good for him other times he will run into the back of guys and it cost him a little bit but I think it's a good little change of speed for defenses that you know just looks a little bit different whenever he's got the ball than Pledger I don't know that one way's necessarily better than the other but it's just a nice little change of pace be fascinating if Ramondre Stevenson is added back into the mix this Saturday how he fits in. How many carries does he get right away? How is he used in conjunction with Pledger in the Lincoln gallon? typically doesn't go with three. He nope. usually has a two running back rotation. But, you know, I, I, get, I think all three guys are a little bit different. I mean, Ramondre's kind of a catch-all, do-it-all back. He's physical. He's downhill. But we've also seen him make some great plays in the passing game, too. And, you know, Pledger, I think uh, McGowan probably gives you a little bit different downfield threat 
as a running back and, and Pledger's a little bit smaller, maybe a little more shifty. So I don't know, I think all three guys uh, have you unique, you know, uh, characteristics within each other. So I don't know, maybe this would be a year where he goes with three guys. We'll see. All right, as for the Sooner defense, let's start on the back end and work our way forward. Woody Washington made the big interception against Texas in the Cotton Bowl. That earned him some more playing time on Saturday. Played well again. No, he has, and he continues to be a guy that uh, shows some aggression on the back end. He's physical whenever he comes up to tackle. Uh, he's found himself, uh, you know, really tight coverage, being able to defend some passes. We talked about the interception he had in the in the Texas game. And I think he's, you know, some confidence tackling on the edge is really what we need right now. It's what we've been asking for. We don't need blow-up tackles out there. We just need someone that's secure and brings them down whenever they've got an opportunity at them. So it's good to see Woody Washington making his presence known out there. There is no doubt who is the most polarizing player on this OU defense, at least among the fan base, Brendan Radley-Hiles, a.k.a. Buki. He led the Sooners in tackles on Saturday, had a couple of plays where he didn't fare as well. How do you think uh, Buki did? Well, I mean, I think he's got some really positive plays at times, and then he's got some negative plays at times. And, you know, it tends to stick out whenever 44 has a negative play. But, you know, there he is. Look at that. Just flying to the football, capping off on a guy. That's what it's supposed to look like. You know, the one thing that he can't change is the size and the height differential. And the position he plays a lot of times is going to draw those bigger guys in coverage. He's got to cover tight ends quite a bit. He's got to cover those big wide receivers in the slot quite a bit. People are going to go after him. So um, it's it's something that he's had to deal with. You know, he's he's played some of it really good. Here's a good, uh, you know, clean tackle there on a, on a two-receiver exchange out there. So I think Buki is he's, – he's come a long way since he started here at Oklahoma. And I think he's – you know, he's one of those guys they can rely on to be in the right place, be in the right spot in coverage. He does get beat, but he, there's not a whole lot of turn guys absolutely free and have free runners down the field. And I know that's not a very high bar, but I, I do think that Buki has done some good things for him. Just got to continue to get better. I don't think there's any doubt the most consistent part of the Oklahoma defense this year has been that defensive line. And it's really a bit of a surprise when ne they lost Neville Gallimore to the draft. Ronnie Perkins suspended early in the season. Don't have Jalen Redmond. You came into the year with a lot of question marks about that D-line. But, Teddy, they've been fabulous and they've been deep. I think it has a lot to do with the system, the scheme. It, and they're, they're finally, they've got a year into it. And they're used to, you know, some of the gaps and penetration schemes that they've got going. And it's just let a lot of the talent that's typically been down roster make more plays. They're living in the backfield, both run game and pass game. And you're right. I mean, on any given game, there may be three or four different guys that have big-time plays. Ellison's done some things. Stripling. We see Perrion Winfrey right there. Uh, Isaiah Thomas. I mean, every game. Jordan Kelly had a couple of plays. Every quarter seems like it's a different guy. I'll say this. Perrion Winfrey and I know we've had some good players here. Neville, Neville Gallimore had a nice career and, and ended up getting drafted fairly high. I think Perrion Winfrey may be the most explosive defensive lineman we've seen here in a, in a while. Needs to be more consistent, but whenever he turns it on and goes, he looks like a first-rounder. Has a chance to be the best since Gerald McCoy, maybe? I, I think there's a really good chance of that. Speed D, here's how they've done so far. Nine tackles for loss against TCU. Add in three more sacks. Did not have a takeaway, but that's now 
15 sacks on the year through five games. That speaks a lot to what they're doing up front. All right, we'll take a timeout right now here on the huddle. When we come back, we'll take a closer look at the opponent this upcoming week, Halloween night. The Sooners will be out in Lubbock to take on Texas Tech. We'll look at the Red Raiders next. You're watching the huddle brought to you by Bud Light. The huddle is brought to you by Rudy's, bringing you the best in barbecue. Academy Sports and Outdoors, the preferred sporting goods retailer of Sooner Sports. Anheuser-Busch, whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Riverwind, still the one. Series history between Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Sooners have a 21-6 all-time advantage. They've won eight straight times against the double T. And first meeting wasn't until 1992. Last year in Norman, lopsided Sooner win 55-16. to 16. They have had some thrillers out in Lubbock in recent years. 2016, a game for the ages. Can we not we have, have a thriller? Please? In Lubbock? <laughs> this week. This Would you, 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 did you like the feel of that boring fourth quarter in uh, Fort Worth? I mean, I kind of did. Yeah, I'm, I, I can mean, handle that. Exciting games. I mean, they're fun to call <laughs> and they're fun to be a part of, but I just, I still have, you know, nightmares. Yeah. And you did not enjoy 2016. I didn't. I didn't. No. And last year I had the feeling like that type of game was going to break out and happen. Or, uh, excuse me, 18. But, uh, yeah, uh, just nice, clean football game. You get a, I can tell when we're going to Lubbock, you get a little get nauseous. Antsy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Teddy, yeah. Teddy did not enjoy that game. <laughs> Let's take a look at uh, a little more about Texas Tech on offense. They've made some changes. They're going with uh, Henry Columbia now at quarterback. But they got some nice weapons all around the field. No, that's a great throw on a dig route there, right into traffic, hammers it in there with some good velocity. It's a good play. Uh, you know, it's it's – same offense we saw a year ago from Luke Wells, but they just naturally got more efficient at it. They run it better. Uh, here you hit a crosser. It, it's a good offense, and they put up good numbers. Offensively is not really the problem for them. It's been defensively. That's where they've really struggled. So um, it's going to be fascinating to see exactly what they throw at Oklahoma. You've got to try and have something, some type of change up. You know, we've struggled with the bigger personnel running game at times, and TCU ran that just a little bit and had some success. And then as the game got away, they weren't able to go back to it. So I wonder if Tech puts a little bit more of that in there, uh, some of the unbalanced and endover stuff as well. And you see that they've been able to, to hit on some big plays in the running game. Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson's a really good player, physical runner, downhill runner's got breakaway uh, potential. So no, it's, it's a offensively, a very good all-around football team. So Roderick Thompson, good size, six-foot back, one of many unknowns status-wise going into this game. He got injured against West Virginia last week. Don't know if he's going to be able to play Saturday or not, but a good back. And a little more of Henry Columbia here. It's been an interesting season for Tech. You know, they squeaked by Houston Baptist in their opener. Then they should have beaten Texas, let that one get away. Bounced back last week with a really nice win against West Virginia at home after they lost a couple of close ones to Iowa State and Kansas State. So 
it feels like maybe they found a little momentum last week, and maybe a lot of it's because this guy, Columbia, completing 76% of his passes. Yeah, he's not going to kill you in the running game, but there you see right there, it's a good West Virginia defensive line that he's able to make a couple of things happen, get outside the pocket, and uh, maybe hit you with a couple of passes. We saw him with a nice deep ball there once he got out and extended the play a little bit, but got a good arm. You see, that's that same dig route we saw uh, earlier in the reel. He put some velocity on that and puts it in there in tight coverage inside the backer and with a safety bearing down over the top. He, he, he can throw the football. Columbia played at Utah State before transferring to Texas Tech. He was recruited by Matt Wells at Utah State, and then he has followed him here. As for defense, you mentioned historically that's where Tech has struggled and it's been that way again this year. They're giving up, on average, 37 points a game. The fewest they've allowed to any opponent is 27, and that was to West Virginia last week. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a constant there, and I, I don't know if it's – I don't know. It goes back a long time there at Texas Tech that they've struggled defensively. But I, it's kind of the same things that you're seeing, giving up big chunk plays in the running game. Uh, you've got free runners on the back end, guys in the wrong spots, uh, just lack of discipline, um, not a good tackling football team. They do have a couple of guys that can make some plays. They've got some edge rushers that can get to the quarterback and create some havoc. It's going to be a challenge for our offensive line. But if we can protect, I think Spencer Rattler can have a big day down the field. And I do think we should be able to get that running game going. Yeah, this right here has been what they've specialized in. Mm -hmm. Three defensive touchdowns. This year, they've got eight takeaways on the year. So while they haven't played great defense, they have made some big plays on the defensive side of the ball. Scoop and score last week against West Virginia. You mentioned they've got some some guys that can make plays. Rico Jeffers, maybe the foremost among them, linebacker for them that can be disruptive. Yeah, and th these defensive touchdowns, I mean, that's the difference in this West Virginia game. It's a good West Virginia team, runs the ball well, good defensively, but uh, you're able to score on defense whenever you don't really expect a whole lot from your defense. That's a that's a huge thing in the game. And, you know, we've got to be smart with the ball. They can take advantage. Of, uh, Jeffers can make some plays, rushing off the edge, uh, creating some havoc. And, you know, whenever you have those guys creating the havoc, getting in the backfield, that's when those turnovers do come. But I feel like our offensive line's starting to hit the stretch run here, starting to play a little bit better. Our backs have been good in protection. So, feel like we were in a pretty good spot with our offense versus their defense. Colin Schooler, another solid linebacker for them. Here's the Matt Wells file. Of course, the former Tulsa assistant coach that has gone out west to Utah State, New Mexico, a couple of stops there, was the head coach and a successful one at Utah State with the Aggies before coming back to Tech. Everybody out in Lubbock likes this guy a lot. Seems like he's doing a really nice job in recruiting. We'll have to see whether he can get that program turned in the right direction, but... Uh, Matt Wells, second year for him out in Lubbock, has done a uh, nice job early on. Let's take a timeout. We'll take a closer look at the Big 12 Conference. Some important games coming up this week. We'll be back on the huddle right after this. We want to thank all of our Sooner Radio Network affiliates across the state and region. Fans can check out Soonersports.com for an affiliate in your area. And if you're traveling outside the state of Oklahoma, you can listen to all the action on either Sirius XM Radio or download the TuneIn app and listen free.
OU's football games are available on Exodus 96.5 FM in Oklahoma City and 101.5 FM El Patron in Tulsa, as well as on those stations' websites. Each OU Spanish broadcast will feature a 30-minute pregame show and a 15-minute postgame show. Log on to Soonersports.com slash kids for information about joining the Sooner Junior Kids Club presented by OG&E. Brought to you in part by Orthodontics exclusively. All right, our look behind enemy lines with Texas Tech was brought to you by Riverwind. Riverwind is still the one. Let's take a closer look now at the Big 12 Conference and the big game last week other than OUTCU, of course, was Oklahoma State, Iowa State battle for first place that took place in Stillwater, and uh, it was a good one, Ted. No, it was. Uh, Spencer Sanders didn't really know what to expect from him. He's had so little time this year, and uh, he came out and impressed. He did some really nice things, but this was a great battle. Uh, Iowa State had a chance, come back leg, kick an onside kick and try and recover it. Weren't able to do it. Oklahoma State comes out with a win, but – Oklahoma State is a total football team. They've got everything. They've got a, a very capable quarterback, got a great running back and running game, uh, explosive threat at wide receiver, and a really good all-around receiving core. And defensively, they're legit, and they got good yeah. players and good experience at all three levels. Really good pass rushers, uh, a solid safety uh, group back there, and inside backers are, are good as well. This is a... This is a total football team with a lot of experience. Brees Hall with the long touchdown run would tie it up. Third quarter now, Spencer Sanders. That's what he can do right there with his feet. The touchdown. Cowboys up 10 late. Cyclones trying to rally. Brock Purdy scrambling around. Heaves it for the end zone. Found a guy, but as you mentioned, it comes down to an onside kick. Cyclones would not be able to recover. And the Cowboys hang on for the three-point win, 24-21. to the other big game this week, Baylor goes to Texas. The Longhorns have all kinds of things going on on the field, off the field. Didn't know how they'd come out. We haven't seen Baylor in seemingly a month or so. Texas played pretty well, I thought, Ted. No, they did. And a pretty nondescript game, which Texas really needs at the moment. You know, they need yeah. a... They could a, use a little vanilla. Just a little vanilla football game. Ellinger, again, was uh, kind of the total package for them. Uh, he's been solid. He's been the real bright spot for Texas all year long. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that was a, a good, clean victory from Texas, something they needed and were really desperate for. But they got their hands full this week. But they definitely needed a win to try and build on. Now the Longhorns able to pull away, really had this one comfortably the whole way. Baylor able to score a touchdown late to make the score a little more respectable. But it was a lopsided, surprisingly to me, Texas victory. And you mentioned the game they got coming up this week. We'll take a look at that here in just a second. Here is your Big 12 scoreboard presented by Kincaid Coach, the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics. Sooners win, Cowboys win, Kansas State no problem with Kansas. There you see Texas 27-16, the final over Baylor. And Texas Tech, as we mentioned, a seven-point win over West Virginia. Here's what the schedule looks like. This week, as we start the second half of the season, Kansas State at West Virginia, an important game there for Oklahoma's Big 12 championship hopes. Talk more about that in just a second. Iowa State goes on the road to Kansas this week. TCU will visit Baylor. 
Texas and Oklahoma State coming up in Stillwater. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the Sooners have the primetime game out in Lubbock. That looks good. I mean, that, that this is there's some good games. TCU Baylor, coin flip game. Uh, Kansas State, West Virginia. I believe West Virginia's favorite in that football Small game. Small favorite, yeah. Which is strange, but uh, Kansas State, after losing their starting quarterback, we'll see how they look. But uh, I think Kansas State's actually a really dangerous team. I, I'm liking their defense more and more. Deuce Vaughn has turned into an absolute threat. Um, and then, obviously, the Texas-Oklahoma State game is – I mean, I'll take Oklahoma State in this, but you can never count out Sam Ellinger, have to go up there and win it again on his own. Uh, this has been a strange game over the years between these two teams. But Oklahoma State, the total football team right now, I think they beat Texas. All right, let's talk some Big 12 race here for just a second. Uh, the Sooners in an unfamiliar spot of having to come from off the rail in the Big 12 chase here. Two games lo lost already early in the season means they're the chaser the rest of the way. OSU hasn't lost a game. Kansas State hasn't lost a game in conference play. Iowa State now has one loss. Mm -hmm. There's a ways to go here. There's a lot of college football still to be played. The entire month of November is in front of us. But what is Oklahoma's chances, you think, if they went out? Well, if they win out, I think it's pretty good. I mean, they've, they've got a decent shot. Iowa State, obviously, you kind of wanted them to, to beat Oklahoma State so you could, you could knock Oklahoma State off yourself and then kind of control your own destiny to a certain extent. But uh, Kansas State is more of a threat than I think people are giving them credit for. We just kind Even of without assumed, Skyler Thompson. Right. I think we just kind of assumed that they would fall apart and lose, you know, three or more football games. But – Starting to have questions about that. I'll tell you what's interesting. We need Texas to win some games down the stretch because they play all of the teams right. that we need to lose. That's right. If you're a Sooner fan, you're going to have to be a Longhorn <laughs> fan the rest of the way. You're going to need them to help you out. Uh, all right, let's take a look at the uh, top 25 in college football. What a crazy year this is. you got some teams that have played four or five games now. The Big right. Ten's just now getting underway. Look at the records there at the top of the poll. 6-0, 5-0, 1-0. Ohio State looked pretty good uh, in the second half in their season opening victory over Nebraska on Saturday. Uh, Oklahoma State up to number six. Cincinnati ranked number seven now. How about Texas A&M climbing back in the fray? You've got a BYU team that's 6-0 and that's Knock it on the door, and Oklahoma squeezes back in the top 25. I mean, it's just fascinating. The whole thing is interesting. Um, Clemson, obviously, 6-0. They're fantastic. Alabama, really good. Hated to see Waddle get hurt. But Ohio State, just kind of slow to get going, but then look like the Ohio State we know uh, in the second half against Nebraska. Notre Dame's 5-0, and and they're interesting. I, don't, I really don't know what to think yet of Notre Dame. Impressive win this week. Yeah, they did look good. Um, Oklahoma State there at number six at 4-0. I might actually have them ahead of Georgia uh, with that win over Iowa State. They're undefeated. Their defense, statistically, uh, one of the best in the country right now. Cincinnati, though, at number seven is no joke. That's a good football team. That was a big-time game that they had against SMU, who's over the last couple of years been one of the best offenses in college football. They just they destroyed them. They looked really, really good. So, Man, it's, it's a really interesting top 25. Oklahoma squeaks in at number 24, but uh, it's hard to, hard to really know how this whole thing's going to unfold. You know who has an impossible job this year? Joe Castiglione yeah. and the selection committee. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Every year is tough. I mean, when... one of the things that you've always got is 
at least a little bit of continuity in how many games are played and, and, and stuff like that. And this year, not only are, are people going to be not playing the same amount of games, I mean, look at a Wisconsin team who looked really good in their opener, but now it looks like they may have to start their fourth team quarterback. Yeah. Because uh, they have two, their second, third string guys out, still have their first string guy hurt. I mean, how do you factor that in if a team loses a game and they're playing with their four string quarterback? Did you get a chance to watch some NFL on Sunday? I did. I did. How about, how about Baker early, Kyler late? I mean, Baker, that throw to win it was superb. Uh, Kyler and Seattle, a fascinating game. Yes. That was strange down the stretch. We saw a lot of weird things there, but that was fantastic. And uh, Shep, welcome back. Yep. Nice game from him. And uh, Kenneth Murray continues to have just a solid, solid year. Baker throws five straight incompletions to start the game. Did not complete a pass in the first quarter. Then his only incompletion the rest of the way was a spike when he was trying to kill the clock late in the game. He was spectacular. Kyler Murray is officially in the MVP discussion as of right now. He is playing some fantastic, fantastic football. And the rest of his team is starting to follow his lead. I, I like mean, their squad. It changed them whenever they had a quarterback that they all believed in and an offense that they believe in. So, yeah, that was a wild game. All right, we'll take our final time out here on the huddle when we come back, our picks of the week. And right around the corner, our conversation with Lincoln Riley. Stick with us. Welcome back, everybody, to the huddle brought to you by Bud Light alongside Teddy Lehman. I'm Toby Rowland. Hey, how would you like to be able to listen to Teddy and the rest of the Sooner broadcast while synced up to your TV in the comfort of your home? I've got great news for you. You can do it. Go to SyncMyGame.com to find out how syncmygame.com every week, including this week out in Lubbock. They've got that in the booth feed that I know you love Teddy on Soonersports.tv, where you can watch Teddy live during the football game. Unfortunately, I forget about it. There's no telling what's on that feed. <laughs> Hopefully they bury that recording after each game. All right. It's time for our picks segment. Let's start by looking at how we did last week. All right. This was week eight. First game was Cincinnati at SMU. We both took Luke Fickle's team, and uh, they won. Looked really good doing so. Notre Dame at Pitt. I took a flyer on Pitt, and that came up empty. Notre Dame rolled them. Teddy yeah, they got look that. good. They finally bounced back. That Louisville game the week before was a little scary, but they looked like the team they were supposed to against Pittsburgh. Disappointing effort by the Golden Gophers in primetime on Saturday night. Was it disappointing, well, or is Michigan it, that good? Uh, Michigan might be legit. <laughs> good. I was disappointed that that wasn't a better football right. game. I got home in time to see the fourth quarter from Fort Worth. Oh, it was over. And it was over. Yeah. As a I, Michigan roll. Milton, that quarterback for Michigan, I mean, he doesn't blow your socks off, but he's at least a playmaker. They haven't had a playmaker at quarterback in what seems like forever. And their defense is great, and they have been recently. But, man, he gives them just a little bit extra dynamic on offense, and that makes a world of difference for Michigan. I will say this. Thoroughly enjoyed listening to Jim Brandstatter and Dan Deardorff on the Michigan radio broadcast <laughs> team. Too. They're fantastic. It's great. West Virginia Tech, I had Tech. You had uh, West V. Uh, Iowa State at Oklahoma State. You had the Cyclones. You thought they were going to go into Stillwater I took Iowa State. I, mean, I thought Oklahoma State was too unknown. They had, what, three weeks off. They, you hadn't seen Spencer Sanders for any extended time. He had one drive against Tulsa. And I thought there was just too much unknown. Iowa State was playing at a good, consistent pace. But Oklahoma State, 
hey, I was wrong on that. They are they're a legitimate all-around football team. All right, you saw the standings there at the bottom. We're all knotted up, 19 and 13 going into uh, this week. And we start with, uh, I guess we're going to pick the Cincinnati game every week. They've made it onto our list. Memphis at Cincinnati in the American. Who you got? I'm going to take Cincinnati, but Memphis is a really good football team. I mean, the, the, really, the thing that pushes me over the top of Cincinnati right now, I've, I've liked their defense for the last couple of years. They've been spectacular, but they've got some offensive weapons now. I like the quarterback. I yep. like what they're doing there. And uh, all of a sudden, since he's explosive on both sides of the ball, I think they continue to roll. Desmond Ritter, their quarterback, dual threat guy, really good player. It is their defense, though that sets them apart. Memphis has an explosive offense, but I'll take Cincinnati. I'm riding Cincinnati. I've been saying all along, I think they're the best uh, group of five team this year. Arkansas at Texas A&M in the SEC. Arkansas has got a couple of wins, should be three. Right. They got a little hose down there at Auburn. Texas A&M has surged here a bit with Kellen Mond. Who do you like? I think Arkansas is going to win this football game. And Woo. part of this is maybe just wishful thinking. I like Arkansas. I like the type of team that they've turned into. Texas A&M, not a team in my mind that handles uh, success very well and playing uh, well. So I'm going to take Arkansas. I like to fight in this football team. I think that there's still a little bit of we'll look past Arkansas because of what they've been in recent years. And I think they go into College Station and bite A&M. Disagree. I don't think they're going to overlook Arkansas. They hate Arkansas. These two teams hate each other. 50,000 fans will be at this game down in College Station. That's going to seem like 200,000 <laughs> from right. what we've been watching of late. Fascinating quarterback matchup, Kellen Bond and Felipe Franks. But I think the A&M running back, Isaiah Spiller, is the good difference player. maker here. Really good player. I'm going to take Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. Big 12, Kansas State at West Virginia. I've, uh, this is a, a dangerous game for Kansas State. I can really see West Virginia, who's got a good, solid defense, good, solid running game, maybe having a chance to win this thing late, uh, especially without Skylar Thompson for Kansas State. But I, I just like Kansas State's defense too much. They are super sound in everything that they do. Uh, they get after the quarterback. They tackle well. McPherson, the safety, has turned into one of the better players in the conference defensively. And Deuce Vaughn, is just gives them that, that special playmaking ability whenever they absolutely have to have it. think it's going to be a super low-scoring game, but Kansas State wins it. We don't talk about running back battles a lot, but Deuce Vaughn and Letty Brown in this game. That's going to be a lot of fun. Not one that anyone would have picked before the season no. started in two of the best right I, there. I'm disagreeing with you. I'm going to take West Virginia. I just think Kansas State is due a dud. Yeah, I'm playing a hunch here a little bit. You know, West Virginia was not a good football team last year. They went into Manhattan and beat them. Maybe Neil Brown's got their number a little bit. I'm going to take West Virginia at home in this game. West Virginia's got a solid defense. I think they're going to give that backup quarterback some fits. Staying in the Big 12, Texas at Oklahoma State. I'm going to take Oklahoma State in this game. Now, I think Ellinger's going to have a lot of fight. He's got to go at it alone here. But Oklahoma State, man... Texas, not good stopping the run. Oklahoma State can really exploit that. Texas, not good in the secondary. Oklahoma State can really exploit that. Uh, defensively, they can really get after the, the passer with their pass rush up front. We've seen how bad Oklahoma, or Texas's offensive line is. I just When I go down the list of matchups, 
I like Oklahoma State in almost every single category. I would probably edge Ellinger there, but I give Oklahoma State the rest of them. I think they win the game. We disagree on a lot this week. This is going to be a telling week. I'm going to take Texas. I think Texas found itself a little bit last week in that win over Baylor. They were impressive. I thought maybe they were in a sinkhole going the wrong direction, and they stood up and played well against Baylor. Um, Texas has been the more tested team, I think, so far this year. I think OSU coming off that big win over Iowa State might be due a little bit of a letdown. Again, playing a hunch in a coin flip game, I'll take Texas. If Texas wins and West Virginia wins, by the way, this thing gets a lot more interesting in the Big 12. Oh, for sure. Finally, to the Big 10, our last game, Ohio State at Penn State. Happy Valley. I would like to say that I think this is going to be a tight game and that Penn State's going to be able to hang around and make it interesting against Ohio State, but we saw the extra gear that Ohio State has that just no one else in the Big Ten does right now. Uh, Penn State coming off of that loss to Indiana, which fantastic Did they get get robbed? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I think the ball hit out of bounds. I'm happy for Indiana. Right. That locker room video was fantastic. But I- Locker room video was great. The final call of the final play for Indiana was not great. <laughs> that whole situation was weird. But I think Ohio State wins this thing, and they probably really separate themselves in the second half and win it by a couple of scores. I agree with you on this one. Ohio State found its gear in the second half of that game. You know, Penn State's missing its best player on defense and on offense this year. Micah Parsons opted out their outstanding linebacker, and Journey Brown, their running back, has an injury, too. I just don't think Penn State can run with Ohio State. Um, all right, keys to the game quickly. Give me two or three real fast. I think we've got to continue to take care of the football. You see how different we are whenever we have zero turnovers. We really separate ourselves quick. Don't let anyone back into the game. Uh, running game, continue to run the ball well. Control the clock, control the, the football game. And defensively, get after the quarterback. That looks like it's our strong suit right now. We can really build off that. That's where the turnovers come. That's where the chaos comes. Get teams behind the, uh, the, behind the chains. Let that D-line go. Big week means we got another big week of coverage for you on Sooner Sports TV as we get you set for OU and Texas Tech coming up on Halloween night out in Lubbock, Texas. Coach's Corner coming up on Thursday, Sooner Sports Spotlight. Flashback is a look back at that Nebraska game in 2000. When we rush the field afterwards, that's going to be at 10 o'clock on Friday night. You got to see that kickoff at 7 p.m. out at Jones AT&T Stadium. We'll have the radio coverage for you starting at 5 p.m. Don't forget, later on tonight, we will drop Sooners for Life. This week's guest is Nick Harris. So we'll talk to the former Sooner standout safety. And then tomorrow, tons of content for you, including Coach's Corner and the Scene Center. Also on Saturday, as soon as we're done with the tech matchup, We'll post the Sooner Radio Network post-game show. Make sure you're subscribed at Soonersports.com slash podcast. And until tomorrow, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network.